0: Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. I'm gonna start off and I'm gonna read um, Ephesians uh, 4, 11 through 16. And I just wanna read it because I think it's an amazing text, but it sets us up for where we're gonna go this morning. Um, so one of the things is this right here, right? So Paul is right into the Ephesians and Paul is dealing with the body of the of Christ, right? So he's dealing with the body of Christ, and he's giving them some imperatives about how they're supposed to live, okay? And he's doing it in a graceful way, and he's doing it with mercy and everything else. And one of the things that happens to me when I look inside of this text is, you know, if you were here the past couple of weeks and you heard me and Matt talking about, um, man, we've been having to, to repent to a lot of people. And, like, you know, we, we've kind of been moving into this thing where, We've been making it a practice of just asking people. You know, you kind of assume sometimes that you and people are all good and everything's all good or whatever, but with church, sometimes stuff gets messy and you're moving fast and sometimes people need to be checked on and you don't check on them and, all, and sometimes you just say the wrong thing and you may hurt people's feelings and you don't even know it, right? So, you know, we, you know a couple people, whatever, you know, we've sat in front of several people and we said, hey, have, have we hurt your feelings or are we offending you in any way? And, and, and the response... Um, has been like, yeah, you know, everything's great, but yeah, yeah, I got a couple things. Let me just, hold on, let me get this list out. I'm like, oh, crap, you know? And so, like, they're like, yeah, you know, I really feel like this, 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 and this. And um, that's been amazing for us personally. It's been amazing, I think, just for the body of Christ. When I say us, I mean all of us, but I also mean personally just for my home, for my family, everybody, because, um, no, number one, I think that's the posture God wants us to walk in. I think that's how we love each other well. So it's, it's let us, you know, it's let us admit stuff. It's let us repent. Um, it's let reconciliation happen in those situations by us even making that ask um, and people being bold enough to tell us the truth. Um, and, you know, we try to live in this church where we're not A-plus Christians or whatever as your pastors or whatever, but we're people like you and we, ha- we have to fall at the foot of the cross in front of Jesus just as well as anybody else. So we try to make sure Um, We try to, you know, foster that and live into that. And so I say all that to say is that what it does to me, with my own personal maybe church hurts I've had in the past and everything else, when I'm sitting there and I'm listening to people say, yeah, I kind of feel like you've offended me in this way. I'm sitting there going, God, I always said that I wasn't going to be like this other pastor or I wasn't going to be like this person that hurt me. And I'm, and, and I'm sitting in front of this person who's telling me something I did to them, and they're telling the truth, and I didn't even see it, right? And, and I'm like, man, that puts you in a situation where you're kind of like, God, what do, we, what do I do with that? Like, where do, do, I, do I quit and just give up at this point, or, or what? Because I'm tripping over stuff I didn't even know I had in front of me, or stuff that's in my heart I didn't even see, And so it puts you in this weird place. And so what it did for me is it kind of puts me in this place where I'm asking God. I'm like, God, where do we go with this? Like, I know you're not surprised by this. You have answers to all the problems that could possibly come in front of us. But how do you respond to this? Like, how do you respond to, if if we're doing things that could cause um, division in the church or sometimes we're blindly hurting each other, like, God, what is your vision for unity in the church? Like, how does this work out and play out? And so in Ephesians... I believe that Paul hits this very well. So Paul is writing Ephesians. He's probably um, writing from prison when he's um, writing this and everything or whatever, but he's addressing the body, and he's talking about the body of Christ, and I believe he gives us, gives us some of the answers as we look towards the idea of maturity. So I'm going to read 11 through um, 16 because this scripture is just so gangsta. I want to read it. It's not even my text. Matt preached it last week, but when he was reading, I was like, I'm going to preach it anyway, because the joint just hard, and I'm not going to preach on it, but I'm going to read it, because I I just wanted some of it. It's just amazing, all right? So it says, and please, I'm asking you this, because this, this, I just think this sermon is so important to the body of Christ. I think it's important to our church, like right now in this moment, and I just want you to open your hearts and your ears, and please just give it your deep attention. I'm not going to try to teach it cute, I'm, the text lays it straight out. I'm just going to read it to you, all right? And so it says this. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Can we get an amen on that? Okay. All right, so right there, Paul or whatever is actually giving us a vision. He's given us the, 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 the overarching vision God has for the body of Christ, right? And then as we go into 17 through32, which is our text for the day, we're actually going to go into more of the specifics. He's going to break this down a little bit, how this actually happens, this unity of the faith in us, of the faith in us growing into what Christ is, is doing. How does that actually happen? What are the specifics and the imperatives in that, right? So in verse 17 he says, "Now this I say in testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do." in the futility of their minds, right? Verse 18 says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed to practice every kind of impurity, right? So I want to push on this thing a couple ways or whatever. So he says, The "The Gentiles are people who are outside of the covenant of Christ. They're not believers in this text is what he's saying they are walking in the futility of their mind, right? So let me explain to you what futility means. Futility means pointlessness, uselessness, right? Or vanity, ineffectiveness, or inefficiency, right? There's a scripture that says there's a way that seems right to to man, but the end thereof is death, right? So we outside of Christ and the Holy Spirit, everything that we want to raise up against a mighty holy God is absolutely useless, There's a thinking in our mind, like we are messed up in a way where we are, we will lean into the depths of our emotions and we'll grab onto something that feels like truth and it will be at utter war with God. Y'all tracking with me so far? There's a, there's another scripture I want to jump to real fast. This actually isn't going to be on the screen, but in verse, um, this is Romans 11. And I'm going to read to you verse 33 through 36. You don't have to go there. Just check it out. It says, oh, the depth, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given to given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. So basically what they're saying, God is so awesome, nobody can touch him, right? And that's the simple way to put it. And so I've been wrestling with this idea. When it says all things are for him and through him and everything else, I've been wrestling with this concept in my mind where I'm like, man, you're telling me that everything that has happened historically with the earth, the creation of it, the sun, the moon, stars are literally like a red carpet for Christ. Like everything And that we know that we can fathom in our mind is built around Christ and the work of Christ on the cross. I I, I don't know how that sits with you, but as I've been pondering that, it's kind of put me in this place where I'm like, man, that's actually, that's like beautiful, but it's horrifying in a way. You know what I'm saying? It's like that everything works for him. But then when I read that scripture and it talks about everything else is futility. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's futile to... To try to move outside of them, it, it starts to make sense. Like, why fight against them? So, I want to tell you about this. Uh, I had one of the most interesting conversations. Um, it's going to almost sound like a joke when I start to tell you, but this is literally the conversation I had this week with somebody, and, and, and it, it really mirrors what we're reading in the scripture about the dark being darkening your understanding and being alienated from God and, and the futility that we're talking about in the scripture so after art walk this week I was hanging out and and uh I was hanging out with one of my buddies or whatever and I'm sitting across from these people and they're having a conversation so all right it was, so there's one hyper-christian dude in the first seat all right <laughs> hyper-christian dude in the first seat next to him was like a italian chick or whatever who was like other straight atheist right Next to her was a a transgendered dude who was dressed as a female, really sharp, looked like he was a lawyer or something. So not to offend him being transgender or or, or to make any mockeries of that, I'm gonna just call him a lawyer for the reference for uh, for as we talk, right? And then next to him was a guy who was a uh, Arab guy who was raised Muslim but now was an atheist, all right? So this is the conversation, all right? crazy conversation so this pops off and they start talking about God the Christian guy was my um the the the, the, the hyper religious Christian dude he would he I took him as just an exclamo- exclamation point from God don't do what he's doing right now because straight straight off the bat he popped off he was like yo God you know I believe in a God who's omnipotent omnipresent What's the other one? You know what I'm saying? He, the, like, this is what he asked. for he's like, he's like, yeah, omniscient. So Molly dogs was with me. Molly was like, omniscient. And he was like, and so he's like, yeah, yeah. Then we started having a real conversation. He fell off early in the game. He just wanted to let you know how he rolled, but he wasn't. He, so he, he fell off. And I looked at him. I was like, okay, I'm not. Not that I'm better than him, but I'm not playing that. I'm not doing that today or whatever. That's not going to help or whatever, right? The next girl next to him, the Italian girl, she goes in. No, we came from this puddle. Like you know, it's like a puddle of this fluid, and we came out of that, whatever. And then my man, then somebody else jumped over to the evolution deal or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we came from apes, this and that. And then of course, you know, they came with the Big Bang theory, whatever, right? And they're like, no, it's the Big Bang, it this, it, this theory, and it was this, 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 this these gases and space and boom, or whatever, right? You know? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't think that's it, man. I'm like, my son has gas all the time. He ain't never created nothing, <laughs> but ruckus or whatever, in my house, right? So that's what I'm thinking in my head, right? And so what was crazy about it was the lawyer, right? The lawyer steps in, no joke, steps in and goes, so who created that? Who created that? Who created that? And the lawyer says, yo, I don't care where you go with this. Whatever you get to, the end, wherever you get to at the end of this, whatever you find, you're going to have to call God. Bottom line, right? You're going to have to call it God, whatever you find, because the intelligent design is too amazing and the way the sun, and it reflects on the moon, and the distance, and it, you can't front. You're going to have to call it God, right? So I'm like, okay, dude. Or, or, I don't know. Okay. We'll roll with it. <laughs> but like I'm with you. And it, it, was, it was strange. It was amazing, right? And so, so they're still working through the stuff. And I said, yo, how does Jesus fit in this whole story? The lawyer Breaks it down. Come to find out the lawyer has been going to a messianic um, um, Jewish temple, right? Messianic Jewish temple. And I'm like, she starts breaking it down. And she's like, yo, well, let me go into the whole thing, idea of the temple, the holy of holies, the whole deal, what that meant and how it foreshadowed it to Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going into like the Jewish Seder and how they put the bread in and reveal it. And I'm like, it was all pointing to Jesus. And I'm just like, whoa. And, you know, and she is like. Whoa, you know this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's all pointing to Jesus. And then the, then the one Arabic guy, he's like, man, you know, I was raised Muslim. Don't believe in that. Don't believe in Christianity. None of that stuff or whatever. And he was like, Jesus was real, but he is not God. He was just a prophet and everything else. And I was like, nah, homie, I don't believe that. And I just, I went into breaking down depravity and all of that stuff and how the wrath of God was put on the back of Jesus and everything else and, 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 and all that stuff. And we went into the old, t- I mean, conversation was like an hour And a half, right? Absolutely amazing, and it it ended with me telling them my testimony. I didn't try to win them and get a slam dunk, and you know, say this prayer with me, real quick. You know, me me and the me and the the, the, you know the lawyer. I gave my information. So I holler at me if you want to work through it some more, or whatever. And you know, so I'm Lord. I'm letting you work that. I don't know, but anyway, so. As soon as, uh, you know, I get a little long in my stories, y'all, po- I apologize. As soon as that ends, but the, the, the Arabic guy goes, man, I know all about Jewish customs, but I never knew a pointed to Jesus. And he was, like, really kind of violent in the beginning of the conversation, completely settled. And I'm telling you this because I'm working to a point in the text, but also, like, when I have these experiences, I just want to share them with the church or whatever, and just so you can hear how the conversations are even facilitated, so you can just see, because you'll find yourself in these positions. But... As soon as I finished talking to them, another girl walks up that I see from downtown because she works there. And she goes, hey, what's up? You moved your store? I said, yeah, I got a church up the street, whatever, and stuff, whatever. I it there and everything else. She's like, cool. This conversation turned into probably the most violent exchange I've ever had with a person about the gospel. Um, because the girl, like, it turned into, her, like, when she found out that I was a believer, she was like, how in the blank, blank, can you believe that blankety blank when all these kids are dying? What What is going on? Why is he sitting watching this? And like she's like cursing, like going in. And as I'm listening to her, I'm just going, you know, I said, man, she's like, why is he waiting? I don't blink and get that. And I said, well, maybe he's holding the door open for you. I said, maybe he's lingering because he's holding the door open for you. I said, You clearly don't believe in him. I said, Don't you think it's mercy? If you're wrong, wouldn't it be mercy for him to hang on to? to," I go, Maybe this right now, this conversation. So we're working through that. And she said, You know, I'm not trying to play God or nothing. You know, but why this and that? And I said, No, I said, Actually, you are playing God. I said, You are playing God. I said, You don't, you think you, you got arms to box with God. I said, Do you understand how this tree right here came from this seed? I said, if we did, you can't even comprehend that. I said, even the science we know of it is horrifying because we can put words to it, but we don't get it. And I just started talking to her about that. And, you know, when she left, she said, man, this is blanking amazing. (laughs) She said, this is blanking amazing. Amazing. And she said, it's amazing because anytime I talk to people like this, they always try to tell me I'm going to hell and they never listen to me. And she was like, you know, I want us to be able to continue having this conversation. I said, definitely, you know, and told her about the church and everything. And I wasn't trying to slam dunk. And and I was just trying to present the gospel in a way where it was like, I mean, I can't save you anyway. Only the Holy Spirit could do it. But I just try to lift the cross and Jesus and his mercy and his grace and, 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 and give him the truth about our brokenness and everything else. And I try to lift that up high in the conversation. But I tell you all of that stuff because the conversations have grieved me since. And they've grieved me because I realized the, the, the futility that it's like everybody was on the rat wheel, wheel running, you know? And, and even the, um, even the, the, the lawyer got came so close up to the cross, but like pride and like this thing where, yeah, I, got, I have to I have the information on God, but he's not big and huge to me. He's something I know about. I can slang it in, a, in an intelligent conversation. I was like, man, you're so close, but you're in the futility of your mind. It's uselessness, right? It's uselessness. I know there's a lot to say to make that point. But this is the point of what we're about to get into, right? And so it just broke my heart, right? So let me read verse 18. It says, they are darkened in their understanding. You can pull this from the the, the examples I just gave you. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because because of the ignorance that is in them, right? Ignorance isn't really a sin. It just means you doesn't know something, right? But this is the point of the ignorance. It says, due to the hardness of their heart. All right, so they've hardened their heart. Like sometimes people are gathering information to keep trying to gain intellect to keep them from getting there, right? And another thing, what happens with Christ? If Christ is going to be exalted, then we have to fall on our knees before Him, and it's like it means we, it means we're exchanging our thing for His thing, right? And that that's so we fight that we make our hearts callous. We say God understands my heart. He understands your heart is wicked and you need to repent. That's what he understands. And he understands that you are hopeless without a Savior, right? That's what he understands, right? So let me just keep going forward. It says, verse 19 says, They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But in verse 20, he says, But that is not the way you learned Christ. He's talking to the church now. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So basically what's going on right now, Paul is doing a gut check, right? He, he, he talks about the futility of, um, of being outside of Christ, and he says, but that's not what we taught you, right? It's not what we taught you. I'm going to give you an example of what's going on so you can have a context for this conversation. Like, sometimes when I see my kids doing stuff, stuff like really, really crazy, right? Like if I see my son or whatever, he's on the park or whatever, he has like a girl in like a sleeper hole or something like this right here. I'm like, I'm like yo, homie, what are you doing? we don't do that like we don't do that yo like we don't hit we don't do that and, and what i'm saying is like yo i've taught you better than that that's not how we live you get what i'm saying it doesn't make him not my son no more or whatever right but it's like hey wake up brother we, we we're pointing we're going a certain direction with the way we god is pushing our family and everything else y'all get where i'm coming from yeah. so that's what he's doing and this, this is the this, that is the the nature of this conversation that's happened he's like hey he said, you know, you can t- see by the way he lays the words. He says, but that is not, that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So what's supposed to happen to you at this moment when you hear this? You're supposed to go, now the evaluation starts, all right? So I need the evaluation for you to start. As we start to push forward in this text, I need for you to start weighing. Was I taught this or do I need to look a little bit deeper in it, Right? I'm going to tell you what the enemy, we're going to go ahead and dispose the enemy. What the enemy's going to do right now is as I'm reading it, if you feel like you're guilty of some of this stuff, which when I studied, I was, and repentance was needed, and it's going to continue to be needed. And hopefully that, you know, if if you're good, then you're good. I don't know what to say about that. It's between you and the Lord. But the enemy right now is going to try to get you to fade into darkness like, okay, let me get my stuff together. But Christ is inviting us into the light with this text. He's looking to love us through what we're about to read, and he's looking to bring us into maturity with this and bring his body into maturity, right? All right. My laptop is doing something weird right now. I'm just going to play it off and stare at it a little bit. There it goes. Okay, we're back in the game. All right. I was about to kick a freestyle. I was. I didn't know where to go with it. I was just going to flip it. So start rocking the mic. All right. So... Gut check starts or whatever with verse 22. He says, he says uh, let me start from 21. Assuming that you have heard about him or taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So that big point at the end, as the truth is in Jesus, he's about to tell them to look deeper into Jesus with the stuff he's about to lay out. That's the whole thing where I was just telling you about walking in the light. All right, you Usually you fade into darkness and you start figuring out by your own works how you can straighten yourself out and get your stuff together. He's saying... Look into Jesus. The truth is in the Jesus. So with your questions that come in your heart right now, this is where you're headed to. And 22, he says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. We're on evaluation mode. Where in your life as believers are you still moving and, and playing some of the games that you used to play that were from your former life, right? Paul is calling the church into maturity. He's, he's drawing a real fine line like, where you at with it, bro? Like, do an evaluation, do a check, because this is what we've learned in Christ. And if, and if you forgot, we need to go a little bit deeper, and we need to look into them and find ourselves in Christ, right? In verse 23, he says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. We do this by going deeper in Christ, our mind being renewed. Watch renewed in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit washes, doing a sanctifying work. Verse 24, he says, and to put on the new self, self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. All right? I'm going to read that to you one more time. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He's asking for them to make a decision at this point. He's saying, he's pointing them to this right here. He's saying, Yo, let go of the former ways, the way you used to roll, And let's look deeper into this thing that Christ has called us to, right? Let's look deeper into that, right? And he says, put on this new self. You know, I sometimes, the way I wage war with the way the enemy comes at me personally, is I sometimes I lean into this text right here. I lean into the idea that, um, you know, I could be rolling up the street or whatever, um, and whatever. It could be a chick over here, whatever that looks like, good or something. And the enemy's like, Dad, shorty's over here. You see her? Take a look. In my mind, I'm like, when I'm waging war, and I'm not tripping and fumbling, it looks like me going, that's actually what the old me used to do. Like, you're me to play like a dead man's game. Like, you're me to play, do that. you ask me, you, you asking me to pull that body up out the ground right now and, and roll with him. But he's actually dead. You understand what I'm saying? Right? So I'm like, that's not who I am. And I, and I just literally have to grab that concept and the idea of it. But even more than that, just grabbing on that concept and having a mind trick to play, I lean, I lean into the cross and what the cross meant for me and why I'm new. And this is what he means when he tells us earlier that the truth is in Christ, right? Because the idea of me taking a look at the chick going, dad, yo, that's a lie. It's a lie against my wife. It's a lie against my kids. It's a lie against everything that God is looking to do in my life, right? That's what the the old dead me used to do, right? So I use that. I use that. That's good for warfare right there, right? Stepping into my new self who Christ has actually really created me to be. He's predestined, right? He gives us these things. He calls us a royal priesthood. It's crazy. He calls us heirs. It's crazy. Children of the light, sons of God. What is that? I don't have time to play with the dead stuff or whatever, but the enemy wants me to, right? So this is what Paul is telling them right there. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. God's love is expressed through his son Jesus. So as I look at his son Jesus, the work, what he did on the cross, it begins to transform me into righteousness and holiness. So it's not just a trick that I pull off. I'm transformed as I behold Christ, right? Christ is it. Everything is for him. Everything. This whole world is a red carpet for this amazing work he's done. You get where I'm coming from? All right. I know we have dead or whatever. Uh, We're alive in Christ, but we got this flesh on us or whatever, and it wants to kick back and be nonchalant about it. But if I could backflip or whatever, I'd do some backflips to let you know how crazy this is. This is the most amazing news ever that mankind will ever get. There's nothing better than that, right? So let me keep reading. Verse 25 says, "Therefore, having put away falsehood, those are lies; let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of na- another," right? So God has worked this plan. He has his plan of unity. He has his plan for the body. Like so early when I was telling you, God, what do we do when we mess up and we step on each other's toes and we offend each other? God has a plan for unity. All right, he says, put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Right? So when Christ says, yo, love, the God, love God with all your heart, right? And love your neighbor as yourself, he's about to break down what that looks like. This is how we exist. Verse 26, and y'all, excuse me if I'm going fast. I'm just trying to be um, respectful of your time and stuff and unpack this, right? Verse 26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. You know, the opportunities we give to the enemy are costly. They're expensive, right? I'll give you an example. If you're married in here, then you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So, (laughs) amen, yes, Lord. Man, we get in an argument with our wives, or our wives get in an argument with us, however it goes or whatever, right? It doesn't even matter who's at fault. But I know for me, I'm like, I'm about to make her pay. I'm gonna make her pay. I'm gonna make her pay and I'm not gonna speak to her tonight. I'm gonna go to bed, right? I'm gonna build a mountain with the sheet. First, I'm telling my back to her. No, <laughs> no spoon in the night, all right? No spoon in the night. We up in here like a knife and, 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 and a pizza cutter up in here. I'm like, we completely, we ain't even rolling, like, right? And I done, I done took the covers and pillows and made a mountain. Like, yo, you're know, I done separate the whole bed or whatever, right? Like, nah. Don't come up in my space, you know what I'm saying? Right? Well, we're doing it to penalize the other person, right? And then we wake up in the next morning and the pride is set in. As all this time has lingered, our pride is set in, wake up or whatever, I'm not getting no breakfast no more that morning, I already know that, so I just try to wake up early. Like, I don't even care, I'm over here on a bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, what? Not even talking to you, like, Like, I'm so busy, I got stuff to do. But it's costly. And the reason it's costly is because our kids start to see it, right? They feel it. Where daddy might wake up and let's do some flashcards. I ain't got time for flashcards because I'm mad. And it's all me, 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 and me, right? It's expensive. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. We let it linger, Right? He doesn't say don't be angry. He says don't sin by not speaking the truth. We sin when we linger with our anger and don't lean into reconciliation which embodies truth-telling, mercy, grace, forgiveness, honesty. We all end up in a bad place and it hurts us all. So this, how does God come up, where's he at with how we have unity in the body? It's not this magical thing where we walk around and act like fake Christians who are just good people and we never hurt anybody and we're good. We actually move in repentance. We actually confront each other and ask each other stuff, and we respond with repentant hearts and we love each other. Like that's what he's come up with for the unity in the body. That's how we're gonna have our hearts knitted together, right? Not by not talking to each other, but with not talking, and as it lingers, the enemy, that's all he needs. That's all he needs. And with married, and with married couples in that example, he wants to keep working that until he gets the slam dunk, which is when y'all roll up with your lawyers on, on each side of each other. That's what he's looking for, to kill, steal, and destroy, right? That's his plan. Verse 28 says this. It says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need, Right? John 10:10 10, 10 says that, that the thief comes to only steal, kill and destroy, right? So here's my declaration to you. Stop stealing, stop being a thief, turn from your former ways and walk in your new identity in Christ as a builder, right? The the idea here is this right here. I named this sermon Build or Destroy because what Paul is not saying here is that yo they're out of order, yo. They're out of order. They're, they're, they're a cancer to the church. Throw the cold shoulder on them, right? A lot of times we see with churches, when people don't move quite the way everybody wants to, there's a kind of unset way to kind of flush people out of the system and give them the cold shoulder, right? But Paul is saying we go confront and we talk we don't, let this, we don't let the sun go down on our wrath. That's how he's saying, we, this is how we steward this thing called the body of Christ with all these different people, different races, growing up in different contexts, different perspectives on life. This is how he steward it. This is what loves. This is what it looks like with our hearts being knitted together, right? But he says, don't steal, Right? It works in the literal sense, and it works in a figurative sense. So from that standpoint, look at it like this right here. He, he's saying, do not steal from the body. And we're going to get into this point right here, whatever. I'm just trying to foreshadow it so you can walk into it. But he's like, with slander and all of these things, like we're builders, right? We're repairers of the breach. So sometimes, you know how you meet somebody or whatever, and like you talk to them, and just, it's just like the girl who I was telling you in the bar, who was screaming and everything else, whatever. I mean, she was overwhelming, like I've never had anybody go at me like that, but it was amazing, we ended up in a great place, but here's the thing, I'm not telling her story to make a, to um, exalt her brokenness, right, relationally, that's not what I'm looking for there, I see where she's at, and I'm looking for how do I build going forward, right, so I don't want to get on the side of starting to slander her, right, or go, man, she's messed up. If the grace and mercy of God can fall on me, it can fall on anybody, right? So he's telling us, like, Yo, are you destroyers or are you builders? Where do you fall at with this? Are you on the build up with the body? Are you one of the people who's actually destroying it with slander and all of these different things? But let me get into it. I'm jumping ahead of myself. All right. Verse 29 says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up. You see it? As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So how do we talk about difficult situations and disagreements but still speak about them with grace for the people who are listening, right? Because we have people who are mature, we have people who are immature and people in different places in the body, people in different stories. But how do we be aware of that all the time and still talk about difficult situations but still have grace in it and still be caring and loving for the people who are spectating and watching, right? And how do we talk about it for the person who may even be the offender in this situation? But how do we love them and build them up from where they're at, right? Or do we go run around and corrupt, talk and slander, and start destroying the body? That's what he's asking us. Where you at on it? Destroyer or you a builder, right? Verse 80 says this. He says, "And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." Keeps taking us back to our identity, right? He says, let all bitterness and wrath. Wrath is deeply resentful indignation. And he says, and anger, intense emotional response, right? Anger is not a sin as we said earlier. It's a problem when you let it linger because it's going to get more intense until it manifests into these other things that we're talking about, like slander, right? And he says, and clamor. You know what clamor is? It's a loud, confused noise. So like when you sit in the body of Christ, where do you, where, where, where's your position? Are you allowed confusing noise to the harmony that God is looking to create? Or are you bringing confusion to all of that with the way you're managing your hurts and, and throwing speculation, right? The Bible tells us to assume good about people, right? I'm going to tell you one thing I get tired of for myself, all right? Because I'm guilty of all of this. I'm not teaching this like, like I said, this, this brought me to my knees to repent. One of the things I get sick of with myself and disgusted with myself and one of the things I get sick of with other people hearing them say, say stuff is when they don't know the story about something and they have like 50 million stories on what could be on the person. And they're like, yo, you know, I'm kind of feeling, you know, because she looked when she came through here, whatever, this and that. She kind of gave me a glance and I kind of felt a way about it. I'm like, well, Dad." Sometimes I hear people saying stuff. I'm like, well, you actually don't know. The parents just died. I mean, like, I don't even have to exaggerate. Stuff like that is happening all the time. Where people are hurting, people are interpreting it as as something else. We have to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt for that. I'm going to tell you, I got eight kids. I'm worn out all the time. I do not got time to walk around with the Christian, like, pastor happy face. Like, yeah, everything's good all the time. Yo, I'm trembling half the time, like, Lord, please, I don't, hope I don't fall out and exhausted while I'm preaching. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Just because I'm not skinning and grinning doesn't mean things are bad, but sometimes I'm pushing through, right? But it says don't assume evil. Don't, make a, don't, don't let the enemy even play with your mind. What are we going to do? We're going to build or destroy. That's what he's asking us here, right? Verse 30. Keep on reading. I'm going to read this again. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, making false and damaging statements about someone, be put away from you along with all malice. Malice is wrongful intention, especially as the increasing guilt, as increasing the guilt of certain offenses. All right? So plainly put, we grieve the Spirit of God with corrupt talk, right? right? These things Paul is laying to us very clearly are the enemy of God. They're the enemy. They're, they're, they're at war with his church. That's what they're saying. He ends it like this right here. I'm gonna wrap up with this. He says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. He makes it very simple. I'm gonna read it one more time. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We can make a Hallmark card out of that real easy, all right? We can make that real easy. I mean, he went through all of that to get to that point. It's, it's simple, but what gets very difficult is what the enemy is trying to do, how he's trying to destroy it. Let me, let me tell you something about the church. Um, when I said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? That is out of John 10. But if you read... Um, I think it 's John 10:10 10, 10 particularly, but if you read John 10, what you see inside of that text is, this is where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. and he says um, he says i 'm um, the gate, and he says, The sheep enter in through me right And he goes on to unpack that a little bit, and he says um, he says i 'm the good shepherd." And he, he gives this he 's painting this picture he says i 'm the good shepherd." And these other, everybody else who came are thieves, right? They're thieves. And he says, they're thieves, they're hired help. And as soon as the wolves come, they bounce because they're hired help. He said, I'm the good shepherd because I lay my life down for my sheep, right? And so that's what he's saying. But I want to use that to give you a picture of what's going on here. Jesus is saying He's saying, I'm at the table with my church. Like, I've laid my life down for my church. I've probably been the chief of having beef and issues with the church and the way things are ran and the way things are done and everything else, whatever. But one thing I do know is that Christ is committed to his church, even as a mess, right? What he gives us, whatever the promise and thing he gives us that's amazing is that he's like, I'm not leaving the table. It's like, I'm not leaving the table. You understand? When you show up and you have a bad day and you show up and you yell at them and you scream at them and you mistreat them and we're ungrateful and we're just straight brats, it's like I'm not leaving the table. It's not leaving the table. He's the good shepherd. He lays down the life for his sheep, right? And then then he's called us. He's called us. Phil, y'all can go ahead and come up. I'm about to wrap up. He's called us as the body to care for this church and to be to like the, the, the beginning of this text when I read in Ephesians 4 and I went into um, how, how he's given this gift to the evangelists and, the, and, excuse me, to the prophets and everybody else and the preachers and teachers. It's to build up the body, but he's also called us as members of the body to be watchful for wolves and people that will look to destroy what God is doing. Do y'all get that? Do y'all understand that? This, he's called us to walk in maturity and make a decision. What are we going to do? Like, are, are we, are we going to be on the side of building or are we going to destroy? I, you know, this, we, we, I'm, I have to come back and revisit the scripture and look deeply in it from a personal level. Like this is one of those ones or whatever that you have to put up on the wall and you have to keep working through because you don't want to forget it because it's so easy to get on that side and get our feelings hurt, to get offended and start destroying. But God did not call us to be destroyers, right? He didn't call us to be inspectors either. He didn't call us to just come inspect it and go, it's messed up like this and walk off. He called us to be builders in it. He's given, us, he's given us the power to speak life through his Holy Spirit to redeem the brokenness. It's like, why, why, you know, when people come in the door and they're broke, we have an opportunity to change the whole trajectory of their lives by loving on them, by building them up. We don't look at them and assess them and be like, yeah, they messed up like that, and then step off. That's not what we are no more. That's our former manner, right? That's what the old us used to do. Now we're part of this amazing thing that redeems, all right? I'm going to just close this out in prayer really quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day, Father. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, um, Lord, I thank you for boldness to preach your word. Um, I just thank you that uh, I'm just thankful, Father, Lord, because I don't I don't understand I can't grasp the magnitude of mercy and grace that you have overwhelmed us with. Um, and I just, I don't know, I've, I'm grateful, but I feel so ungrateful because I can't, it, it's too marvelous for me to even see it, Lord. But you've um, brought us all here, Father, Lord, to, to um, out of your love. You've drawn us here. Your spirit has led us here. Father, you've found us. You've called us in. And um, we just want to exalt you and we just want to lift you high, Father. And we just want to bless you. And uh, I don't know, Father, I just want to say thank you, Father. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for speaking the truth to us, even when it's hard. I thank you that you invite us to walk into the light, that you give us grace and mercy. We don't have to front like we got it all together, but we could raise our hands and say, Lord, that's me right there. You got me. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that, Father. Um, So I thank you for that type of freedom in your cross, Lord. And I just honor you and I love you. In Jesus' name.